It's his last Sunday with us. Have you enjoyed the series? Would you give him a wonderful? It's been a great series, Pastor. I told him this morning, I haven't had opportunity to talk to him much before that, but having been on staff with him for 12 years at Trinity um, and having heard this presentation two or three times before, I honestly think this is the best he's done. It's been a wonderful, wonderful series. So, Pastor, come. Thank you very much, Michael. You're a dear brother and friend, and it's a joy and a privilege to be with you again and to have had the opportunity to share these truths with you, which are rich to our own heart and which many years ago, and I'm going to say hello to both wings. Hello there. Hello. All right, that's good. (laughs) They way back over here. (laughs) And to uh, thank you again for the privilege of being in your midst with an opportunity to share these truths that are rich to our heart. Uh, This is our final sermon on this series. It reminds me of the introduction that a man received as he concluded a week of meetings, and the chairman stood up and said, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our speaker for the last time. (laughs) So perhaps you have that kind of pleasure, I don't know. Now, I'll be leaving to go to New York this afternoon, New York City, and flying out after the service here, and we will have a chance to minister for a week to a group of about 20 or 23 uh, cutting-edge street evangelist frontier types of guys under YWAM, Youth with a Mission. It's been 60 years since I've been to New York City. I was stationed there during World War II uh, down in Brooklyn at Sheepshead Bay, and so it'll be interesting to see how many changes have taken place. Coney Island is still there. We could hear, I lie in my bunk, I could hear the screams of people from the roller coaster about a half mile away, ah, and all night long, they'd be going up and down the roller coaster. And I don't think I'll go on, but it may be there. Now, Billy Graham gets done tonight. I go in tomorrow to do the follow-up for him, so please pray for me. <laughs> Just a little side trip I thought of working. Billy called me the other day so he could take care of this. I said, yes, I can take care of that, Billy. So it's uh, just a blip on the screen, but we're going to give respect to that. (laughs) And you're very humorous, aren't you, today? Yeah. Now, we're coming to this wonderful truth of being filled with the Spirit of God. And to help get that on the way, I brought some... um, I tell you what, why don't you come up and help me? Would you come and help me for a minute? No pay, but a lot of appreciation right up here, okay? This is not Kool-Aid, so don't drink it. All right, I, I, I emptied a lot of thermometers to make this work this morning. I want you to... Let me get us started with a little illustration today. This represents you and me before we're converted, before we come to Christ as our Lord and Savior. Okay? Uh, there is a human spirit in us because we are containers. Your body is a container. Your body is like a glass. And inside your body is a human spirit. That's what makes you different from every animal, everything God ever created, because he breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Now, animals don't have a living soul or spirit. They don't have an immaterial part of them. They're uh, mental I guess, of some type, and they are physical. But man and man alone was created with a spirit put into him by God Almighty. And so you have a human spirit, and that makes you different from every other person. Every individual is totally unique. 
from anyone who ever lived on the face of the earth before. And so you can come and go through life, and uh, you, can, uh, you can put a lot of things in your life. Here's your, here's your body and your spirit. You can put money in. Not much as a Scotchman. I'm putting in pennies. Okay. If you don't laugh, come up and give me your $100 bill and put it in. Don't laugh too loud now. It'll all go to step up to life, so rejoice. Uh, you can put in, I'll let this represent education. You can put in career. You can put in success. You can put in your marriage. You can put in your recreation. You can put in sports. You can put in your stocks and bonds, your retirement. Put anything else you want in there. And your spirit's in there, and everything else in life is in there. But you don't have the Spirit of God in you, which He wants to put in you. This is when you become converted. You repent, get off the throne of your life, give Christ that essential and primary right, and become a member of the family of God, a son or a daughter, well-loved by Him and welcomed into His family. God is not standing there with a broom handle waiting to beat you on the head. When you come to Him through brokenness and contrition and you're ready to trim from being the boss of your life and give Jesus Christ that primary right, He welcomes you into the family. And you become a son of God or a daughter of God. And his life comes into you. And you're in the family because you've got family life in you. Right now, everyone in this room has human family life. Everybody in this room has human life in them, a human spirit. Those who are born of God, saved, converted, have divine life in them. And so I'll take this out because this not, I don't want this to get all wet. But you can put a lot of stuff into life. But if you don't have this, the other, it's all going to be to no avail in the end. Useful education, get it. Steadiness of job, procure it. Career plans, do it. Live a fruitful, helpful life. Faithful as a husband and a father and family life, do it. But dear, dear friends, at the bottom of it all, you must proceed to what God has for you. And so we'll say, here's a man that repents and believes, and uh, we'll take the next step. A lot of people may be like here this morning. Now look, go from here to here. Step two. Now, the man comes to saving faith in the Lord. He says, Lord, you're in charge. You're number one, not me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me my sins. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who saved me and loved me with an everlasting love. And that even Calvary did not stop you from manifesting this saving love toward me. Thank you, Lord. I'm your child. And so he then, when that happens, we're going to pour a little bit in here. Now he's going to pour in about half a glass. Thank you and hold it right there. So now, here you were before... But here you are now. Now you're a Christian. You're born of God. I didn't say now you're religious. I went to church five times a week before I was saved, and you may have gone 20. So you can have a lot of religion, a lot of background, no background, some background, whatever. So you've gone from here to here because now the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. Every child of God has the Spirit. Not every child of God is full of the Spirit. Can be, should be, will be, if he follows to know the Lord. And God has provided this being filled with the Spirit through the Calvary work of our Lord Jesus. Just like He died for our sins to save us and forgive us, He died to fill us with the Holy Ghost because Acts 2 says that the Lord Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father and poured forth that which you now see and hear, which was the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? So I am going to put this down sideways. Not really. I will put it down. I'll tell you what. Why don't, you, why don't you, you come up and help me? This is going to be a family deal today. Okay, so now we have a picture here. Thank you so much. And now we have, you stand right to my right, right here, honey. That's good. You're going to hold that. Now we've got, and she's got two hands, which is really good. 
because that's how she started. Put this in your right hand. There you go. We start here, and then we're up to here. Now, now a lot of people in this room are already born again, already Christians. Love the Lord, been saved, know you're going to heaven. That's wonderful. Now, what the Lord wants to know is are you prepared to be filled with the Spirit of God? And so, when we go from here to here, which is also a Calvary gift, we fill this almost to the top. I don't want to spill it. This is a new carpeting. Okay. That's enough. That's fine. We'll get the idea. By grace, we leave the top full. So now, you see, thank you. Now we go from this to this. At a point of time, when we ask the Lord to fill us, and we'll know it. And so, empty glass, converted, fullness of the Holy Spirit. And what I talk about this morning will be biblical basis for what I'm talking about. Thank you so much. And you'll do me a great favor if you will take this, and you have two hands, and you'll take that. And would you give them a big hand for helping me today? I wouldn't pour it back in. I'll take it right back to the kitchen and empty it back there. And thank you very much. This was a red-letter day for you. All right. And you look in the pink of condition. All right. Now, many of the truths and outlines I've been sharing with you the last three weeks, you'll find in this book, That Life God's Way, which Nancy and another lady uh, authored, co-authored together. We believe, both believe the same thing. We both teach the same thing. We both study the same Bible and the same truths basically over the years. And so uh, check with Pastor Mike. If you are interested, Chapter 7 covers basically what I'm covering in these series. And they're back there on that table. And they're $5 rather than 7 It all goes into the kitty to print more gospel literature. So that's where it goes. If you're interested, you'll find it back there. Thank you so much. Now, uh, is this Murdochology or is this Bible? What are we talking about this morning? So take your Bibles, and I'm going to do a little bit of sharing first, and I'll go to some PowerPoint to help you. And you remember now that we've already talked about the Apostle Paul being saved on the road to Damascus, and between the half glass and the full glass with Paul was a three-day period. Saved on the road to Damascus, filled with the Spirit of God, full glass, three days later, and so he had a three-day waiting period. And so we're saying, no, not yet. Thank you and please. Not yet. Kill it. I'm going to preach a while, then I'll pull that up, but not now. All right, thank you. Disappear, disappear. There goes my secret. Wonderful. I, I told people that my preaching here is off the wall most of the time. <laughs> now, take your Bibles and turn, please, to Acts chapter 19. Here's Paul ministering again, doing his journeys, and uh, leading people to the Lord, establishing churches, finding people where they are, and ministering to them where and as and how he finds them. Now, I've showed you with the life of Paul, saved the road to Damascus, filled three days later. We showed you with the Samaritans, saved in the ministry of Philip, and uh, not more than a few weeks later, filled with the Holy Spirit, a few weeks later, depending on how long it takes for the word to get down from Samaria to Jerusalem and for the apostles Peter and John to go back up and see them, see the grace of God, lay hands on them, and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw in the life of our Lord Jesus, incredible, with all the mysteries that go with him, we saw that he was in his human nature, filled with the Holy Spirit, Luke 3, 21 and 22, at the time of his baptism, and Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, And he, Jesus, being full of the Spirit, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. But the point we made was that our Lord Jesus, in his human nature, was at the 
point of time filled with his human, filled with the Holy Ghost in his human nature, so that he was God was in him before he was God, before God the Holy Ghost came on him. Now we want to move up to uh, just a couple more today, then we'll proceed to make some illustrations of it. Acts chapter 19, and it happened, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, or the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we didn't even know so much that we had never even heard whether there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And Paul is kind of dumbfounded. Because they sound, they sound and talk like they love the Lord God, and so he's trying to find out where are they in this thing. He said, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't know there was even such a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, well, then what were you baptized into? What are you following? Who, 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 what were you taught? And uh, he said, well, we, we, we're into John's baptism. Now, just let me say this briefly. John the baptizer preceded Jesus. John the baptizer said, repent and believe for this one coming. Repent for this one coming. John the baptizer preceded the ministry of Jesus. He baptized with water, showing a symbolism of repentance. This is the only place where you have someone baptized twice. Because John's baptism, which was just repentance, was a good start. Repent, because Christ had not been revealed yet as the Savior to whom you could look and into whom you could believe. John preached up full bore as much as he knew. And he said, repent, there's one coming after me, believe in him. And these people apparently got some teaching from John's disciples, and they got that much straight. They said, well, we've, we're, we've turned from sin, but we don't know any more than that. We, we want to repent and believe in something beside that. Maybe God, we don't know much about him. And John, then Paul says, I got good news for you. Have I got good news for you? John, yes, he prepared your heart with the teaching of repentance. Get off the throne of your life. You're right. You're wrong. God's right. That's good. But he said, he said there's one coming after me whom you should believe into. They said, we don't know who he is. Ha ha. That's why I'm here. I've got good news for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of God's word and prophecies. And that's the one of whom John spoke and to whom he pointed. And you haven't got the message up to now because you live way up here in the boonies. But I'm traveling through here and I've got good news for you. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for us all. And he is the fulfillment of it. Why is it? Praise the Lord. We've been looking for some fulfillment of John's message. We believe. John says, pray, John, and Paul said, praise the Lord. That's why I've come. So what are you going to do? Well, we believe in the Lord Jesus. We've been waiting to hear about him. Is that the one? Take over, Lord Jesus. Paul said, fine. Now let's see what happens. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? He said, well, John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism, meaning and standing for repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they believed, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So baptism is not a small thing. Well, what's that tell us? He's there one day, he's, this is a one-day process, at least with what I'm talking about, and he finds out that all they knew was John's baptism of repentance. Number two, he fills them in on whom John spoke of, the Messiah, Jesus, who has come and loved them and died for them. He fills them in. Number three, they make a commitment to him because they've been looking for him. And now John says, Paul says, now fine, let's be baptized in his name. And they did. What does that mean? They went, whatever the situation was before, 
they had New Testament faith when they believed in him, and we have red juice put in the second glass. I think if they died before that, the Lord still loved them because he knew where their heart was. But in New Testament terms, and in, and in keeping with the New Testament teaching on the fullness, they believed in Jesus at that point, and they did not know till then, so they believed when they knew, and were baptized. That means, according to Romans 8, 16, that they had the Spirit of God in them. They believed. <laughs> Paul's not going to go around baptizing unbelievers as a rule, and he was pretty discerning in the situation, so he baptized them as believers. As believers, they had the Spirit of God in them, already in them. They've got the water poured in, half the glass red, all right? Now watch. Saved here, Paul's filled three days later. Samaritan saved here into Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, not more than a few weeks later. With Paul and the Ephesian believers, saved here, and they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit like, what, 20 minutes later? Half an hour later, as soon as the lesson's over? He goes, he baptizes them, and take a look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were filled with the Spirit. Notice this. He came epi upon them. He was already in them. The Spirit of God, when you say it, is in you. And when you feel the Spirit of God comes upon you to fill you. Third class. Standard New Testament procedure. Standard New Testament teaching, belief, and experience. It's all through the book of Acts. And Paul rarely, I don't think he'd find a case where Paul left his people without their being filled with the Holy Spirit after he led them to the Lord. So I'm asking again, how long has it been since you were saved? A year, two years, six months, three months, whatever. And it was like about eight years or nine years after I was converted, had the Spirit of God in me, before I knew enough to know from the Scriptures you should be filled with the Spirit. Nine years. So don't wait as long as I did either because you don't know or don't care or something, and that's what happened. So there we have that illustration in the life of the Ephesian believers. Now I'll make a brief reference to Acts chapter 10. And I'll give you the story. I don't have time to read it all because this is about Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion, had a hundred soldiers under him. He was a God-seeker. He, was, he loved the Jewish people. He built them synagogues. He tried to do what was right. He was seeking God and praying, and God sees this searching, seeking heart, and he says, fine. Then uh, I'm, he sends a vision down to Peter many miles away. He says, Peter, someone's going to come in and uh, uh, ask you to come over and visit them. Meanwhile, I give you this vision. Peter sees this vision of all these ceremonially unclean animals for a Jew. A Jew can't eat pork. Maybe you've heard the expression, he was about as successful as a pork salesman in Jerusalem. Now you figure that one, okay? Not successful. And so Peter sees in this vision, all these unclean, ceremonially unclean animals come down, and a voice from heaven says, rise and eat. And he says, Lord, I'm not going to touch that stuff. I've never eaten these unclean animals. I've always eaten what you've told us to eat in Jewish kosher law. Three times it happens, and God says, what I say is clean, don't you say is unclean. Bang, bang, the door's knocking, and what do we got? We've got six people coming over, six or seven from Cornelius, who've been told by God, go get Peter, he'll tell you how to be saved. Peter goes over, travels with his friends to, with the soldiers, a couple of soldiers, back to Cornelius. He takes with him about six people. 
And when he goes in, he finds his whole household. Cornelius has got his whole family and all the soldiers and all his friends sitting there. And, they, and he, uh, he says, oh, we've been waiting for you. Tell us words by which we must be saved. Tell us what to do. And Peter begins preaching. And he's never been there before. They've never heard the gospel before. And Peter starts to tell them about Christ, the Lord Jesus, and what he did. And they're just soaking it up. And while he was yet speaking, chapter 10 of Acts, please look at verse 45. Whoops, excuse me. 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, gospel words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word with understanding. Now, the Holy Spirit's not waiting for Peter to give the invitation. And you'll notice if you study the New Testament that many times, and maybe even most of the times, sinners give the invitation. John the Baptizer's preaching, and the soldier said, what should we do? They couldn't take any more of his preaching. Repent, believe in the one coming. Yes, we'll do it. What should we do? The people say that. The soldier said, what should we do? They're giving the invitation. Paul and Silas are in prison. God rocks the place with an earthquake. And the man cries out, what shall I do to be saved? He's giving the invitation. <laughs> it's amazing. And so they, Peter didn't even have a chance to give the invitation. He's just preaching and explaining. And the Holy Spirit says, that's enough. Boom. And he comes upon these people, saves them, fills them, and even gave them the gift of tongues in practically the same moment. Now, God can do what he wants. He's sovereign. If he wants to do it that way, that's how God does it. And he put that in there so we'll know, don't get me in a box. I meet people in different ways at different times. I'll give you enough principles, and we can go from there. But that's how it happens. Now we'll go right to that first, our, our first slide, please, and thank you. And you'll notice now that this is Cornelius. Thank you. Cornelius and his family are saved, filled, and even spoken tongues in practically the same moment. We come down to here to the Ephesian believers of whom we just looked at today. And there, they go from knowing a little bit about John and repentance to saving faith in Christ. And they're filled with the Spirit with Paul laying hands on them in practically the same, same half hour or half hour, whatever long it takes to, to, to describe the truth, share it with them, and say, believe and pray. And they laid hands on them and believe for them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We come down to the Apostle Paul, and we gave that a few weeks ago. Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. Three days later, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We come down to the Samaritans. We found they were saved under the preaching of Philip. And a few weeks later at the most, they come into the fullness of the Holy Spirit under the apostle of Paul, under the apostles, I'm sorry, Peter and John. But when they came down, laid hands on them that they might be filled with the Spirit. For as yet, it says they were baptized only into the name of Jesus Christ. Now, as a Baptist raised solid with a Presbyterian father and a Baptist mother, that's not really a charismatic household. It really, really isn't. I'm grateful for what it was. They were solid in Bible and, ser and serving the Lord. So I had to come through this against my fears, over my prejudices, against my doubts, and even against some of my friends. And I, I, I studied my way through the Word of God to this point, which seemed convincing to me. It may not be convincing to you. All I ask you to do is look at the Word of God, see what it says, and tell me what you think it means. Save, filled. Save, filled. 
say Phil, with a short period of time in between, and with his with apostle, with the Cornelius, might have been bing, 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 like a second, a second, a second, because God can do that. And some of you were filled when you were saved. Some of you were. It can happen. Not, mo- not most and not many. I've run, people did, and I said, praise God, you're like Cornelius. Now, that being the case, we see this is normal, regular, New Testament Christianity. It's not some super-duper version. It's not a leather-bound edition. It's just normal Christianity. And all we've always tried to do is just get to be normal. Try to be normal, all right? Now, when God does fill you and puts in the, the, um, the uh, fullness in, into you, it's the fullness of His Spirit. It's not a it. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. The different things can happen. And we'll go to the next slide. In Acts 2.4, you see, when they were filled, they spoke in another language that God gave them. And you don't have to speak in tongues to be filled. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and never speak in tongues. God will give you other gifts. Acts 4.31, when they were filled, it says they spoke the Word of God boldly. They had a new freedom in witnessing, a new freedom, a new desire to share the Lord with people, that they loved them, they loved the Lord, and they could share the Lord with enablement that they didn't have before. And you'll find after you're filled that you can share Christ in your way with your personality, with your contacts, in a newer and freer way. All right? In Acts eight seventeen, when the Samaritans were filled, we're not told what God did. Whether it was holy laughter, whether they fell into the power, whether they just loved the Lord more and had joy or whatever, we don't know. But they knew, and Peter and John knew, and everybody else knew, and even the unbelievers know. Acts nine seventeen, when Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost, he was healed in his body. So his physical body received the benefits and his sight was restored. In Acts 10, 46, we saw the, uh, with Cornelius, they spoke in a language God gave them, namely the gift of tongues. Acts 13, 52, it says that when Paul was there, they were all filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, because he is a spirit of joy. And he manifests himself with great joy among them. I don't know, doesn't say tongues, doesn't say healing. Doesn't say prophecy. So that's why I do not bring to bear any one gift as a required manifestation. Now, they spoke in tongues three out of the nine times, and we're not afraid of that. That's God's gift, and, we, and many do it. It doesn't mean that all will do it, because Paul has a very, uh, very helping verse at that point in 1 Corinthians 12, where this is what he says. Do all, well, our, do all work miracles? No. Do all prophesy? No. The Greek requires a no. Uh, do, do all heal? No. Do all speak with tongues? And it requires a no. Many? Lots? Multitudes? Yeah. All? No. So if that is a hindrance to you, that because you have not spoken in tongues, you don't know that you have been filled or don't want to be or can't or whatever, put that to one side, please, and thank you. And understand that when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, he did not speak in tongues. Later on, he did. But that was not a point of requirement for Paul at that point. And if you're going to do that, then I have to say, well, let's require joy, let's require a boldness, let's require whatever. Acts 19.6, today's lesson, we saw that people spoke in tongues and prophesied. In Romans 8.16, the scripture says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So when the Spirit of God comes into you, he can tell you that you're saved. He can give you peace that you know your sins are forgiven. He can give you assurance through his Spirit and the Word of God that you're going to heaven and you're his child and he loves you and he wants to take care of you. Now, the Holy Spirit does not get laryngitis. If he can tell you you're saved, he can tell you that you're filled. And if he just wants to tell you by a spirit witness, and you know that you've been filled, you'll know in here. The Word of God says you can know. 
I mean, how did they know, how did Ananias know when to leave Paul and go home? Because he'd been sent by the Lord to go to Paul for two reasons, that you might receive your sight. Number two, that you might be filled with the Spirit. Now, we went over the evidences of Paul's conversion before that, that visit by Ananias. So he already had the Spirit of God in him. He was God's child. So when the Spirit of God came on him, he knew it, and his body was healed. And Ananias knew when to go home. Mission complete. So I point out to you that God can do any, one, any number of things, and some ungiven, because he doesn't tell us everything. But the thing is, you can know. And the Spirit of God does not get laryngitis, and he can let you know. I ask people, do you know that you're, are you hungry a half an hour after Thanksgiving, deal, Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, no. Why not? Well, I ate so much. Uh-huh. But you know you're full. Oh, yeah. Well, when God fills you, you'll know you're full. With or without emotions, with or without any gift manifested, the Spirit of God will bear witness. He's met me. Now, He's not going to kidnap you. The Holy Ghost is not going to kidnap you. He's not going to drag you by the heels into fullness. The Holy Spirit, as I said before, is symbolized by a dove, not a vulture. He's not a hawk. He's gentle. And He will not kidnap you. Blessed are they which you hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right? Now, there are five reasons you should be filled with the Holy Ghost. We'll look at those now. First of all, Ephesians 5.18 is an imperative, which means God has commanded it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. It's a command, not a suggestion. Not a suggestion. He won't drag you. He won't kidnap you. He won't make you. He'll draw. He'll incline. He'll woo. He'll make you hungry. He'll, he'll um, uh, let other stuff that seems so neat and cool to you become less neat and less cool and make this the forefront of your consciousness and your spiritual hunger. Blessed are they. Happy is that man or woman who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for they should be filled. Not after salvation. That's the first beatitude. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled, not saved. That's already happened. So, we have then God's command, because God's going to get stuff out of us that He puts into us. The only glory God gets out of us is the glory God puts into us. Number two. Whoops, excuse me. Doing a little perude up here. To worship God more fully. God is the Spirit, John 4, 23, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Two things. Your sensitivity to God and your sensitivity to worship and the Lord is going to be increasing after you're filled. Maybe not right that day, but you could be sitting here for some time singing a song that really meant nothing to you a week ago, two weeks ago. You may just stop just die crying. It just means so much to you. It's God's going to be more sensitive to you. You're going to find out that He's going to monitor you a little more closely. He's going to nudge you now and then. You're going to find that what you did before, He may say, no, not that. I want you to do this. And you'll find by comfort and discomfort, He guides you and leads you. And your life is going to be more sensitive in spiritual things. Your understanding will start to rise in spiritual understanding when you read the Word of God. Your concern for the lost will come up a notch. You begin to see how important this is. Now, that's why being filled with the Spirit is not like a, a, an added luxury for a few eager beaver Christians that want to move on. This is for the whole body of Christ so that it may function as the body, as a believer, in contact with Him, indwelled by His Holy Spirit, in His fullness, and we with each other, individually and corporately. All right? Next one. Why else to be filled with the Spirit? 
to increase the, to increase the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Boy, anybody need more of that? Well, you know, I'm sure every husband and wife would like to see some more from their spouse. I know my wife likes to see more of that than me. I can't crank that up myself. Where am I going to get that? I'm not talking human love. That's wonderful. Sometimes human love is really great. But God wants to put a divine love, a divine joy, a divine peace, which you can't crank up. It's outside the borders of the human nature. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heart transplant. We know a lot about transplants today. This is a life transplant by the Holy Spirit. Who is these things? Who is these things? So that the Christian life takes on the aurora and the fruit of his life in an increased way. They're there at conversion. But it's like having a bumper crop. Do we now have access to this life? Fullness thereof? And before. To receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what. So many times you get converted, you go to college, you go off to seminary. And I was ministering in, in the human pizzazz of human ability. I want to serve Jesus. I love the Lord. My life was turned around. I'm changed. I'm going to preach for Jesus. I'm going to hand, pan out tracks for Jesus. And man, I had a lot of human pizzazz. And I had a sense of humor. And I could wow him and chill him and thrill him. Here we go, Murdoch. Not. And I had to learn that all that human pizzazz was nothing but a pile of smoke to God. And he said, he's, he's, he's just young. Give him a chance. He'll learn. I'll, I'll, I'll get to him later. And so God will let you run out this human pizzazz factor till you realize you don't have to be flashy Phil and, and everybody else to get. It's not going to get done. I told Brother Michael this morning, I tell you, don't be impressed. It's just the truth. I am more conscious of my dependence on God today by a thousand tonight when I first began. I understand I can't do anything. I can't make people see. I can't make hearts open. I can't do anything unless the Lord takes His Word and does it. I can be faithful giving it and saying it and sharing it and teaching it, but I can't make it happen at that end. And thank God I, I'm free of that responsibility. Not that I don't care. Not that I don't want it to happen. I can pray. Try to live godly, get others to pray that it will happen. But I want to tell you, I, it says, you, without me, you can do nothing. It doesn't say, without me, you can do just the hard stuff. It says, without me, you can't do anything. You can't even take a breath. You can't swallow your food. Man behind me, oh my. All state athlete in three sports in high school. Played quarterback in Notre Dame. Nine years of professional pitching in the pro, pro leagues. Never took a drink in his life. Never smoked in his life. Never chewed in his life. An icon of physical health and strength and conditioning. And uh, my good friend Bobby Harrell calls and tells me about him. Back to a neighbor. And now, you know, cancer in the neck diverticulitis, emergency surgery, it burst. Blood clots in the lungs that they did not know he had. And I went to visit him, 
And he's lying there, this 215-pound athlete. But folks, he can't do anything about it himself. I mean, every once in a while, we get a taste of our mortality. Like, I, I'm not that cool. I can't beat death, and I can't beat the punishment for sin. But Jesus did, praise God. So you understand that the gifts of the Spirit is not just, oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty good, God. I'm sharp here, and I'm cool there. So just one or two things you might add, but otherwise, I'm not in too bad shape. Listen, God can take human ability. And you take, you take these dear folks who went off to the symphony orchestra. There's tremendous, listen, discipline of years in those lessons on that musician, on those musical instruments. Discipline of practice. Discipline of being taught. Money, time, strength. Incredible. Many of you are sitting here with incredible natural gifts that God's given you. They also are a gift from God. But you have to send them to the natural gifts, go to the cross, get crucified, come back, and then they're useful to God as God works through them. As, so, see, you, you use them, but you don't depend on them. You use them, and God can use them, but you don't depend on your natural gifts. They go to the cross and get crucified and come back, which means I have that ability, Lord, but that's not my point of trust. So don't throw away. You've got linguistic skills here, musical skills, mechanical, computer, domestic, on and on and on that God's given you. Wonderful. They must go to the cross, as it were, and become God-owned. Then they're useful to Him. But I'm talking about something over and beyond that, which is a divine gift. Now listen, if God gave someone the gift of healing, you think they went to Harvard Medical School to get it? No. Should you go to Harvard Medical School if you can? Sure. Should you try and help people? Sure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'd love to see a doctor with a gift of healing to boot. Incredible. Having both barrels. Both barrels. We're grateful for doctors and that discipline they put in. Now, so these gifts of, you know, whether it's uh, prophecy or wisdom or knowledge or discerning of spirits, and you can look up those areas and see the different gifts that are divine that God gives. They are supernatural. They're the life of Christ being manifested through you in those areas of ability. Prophesying in your own mother language, tongues, it's language you couldn't learn, uh, discerning of spirits, knowing what's from God, what's from the devil, what's from man, faith to believe God for things, wisdom to know what to do, divine wisdom, healing the sick as God leads you. These are tremendous. The church is empowered by these, and these are to be the functioning tools of the church. All right, number five. To fulfill the ministry that God has for you. You know, Stephen started in serving tables. He was faithful, a spirit-filled man. Look out among you seven men filled with the Holy Spirit that we can have be busboys and feed the widows supper and porridge and gruel, whatever they eat when you're widow or, or widower, and when you get older and you don't have much strength, take care of these people. And we need someone who's filled with the Spirit so these old people won't fight about who got the hot soup and who got the cold soup. And sometimes you work with older people, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, period, anyway, just to keep everybody happy, functioning. But because he was faithful, serving tables and food, God then made him and brought him up to another gifting of evangelism. And he dies the first, he dies, the, Stephen dies the first Christian martyr, but he and Philip, people like that, start off that way. Then God expands their ministry as he sees fidelity to what they're doing at their hand. Don't say, I think I'll be a great evangelist. Friends, I'll tell you, start in moving the chairs around and dusting the furniture. Start about there. That'd be a good place to start. 
Starting once a month in the nursery. Starting, starting with what's at your hand. Don't look for some big ministry. Still look for some small ministry. Be faithful. You know, like the guy said, how do, you, how do you start a small business? And the guy said, buy a big one and wait a while. <laughs> well, in God's kingdom, you buy a little one and it gets bigger. Bigger than what you're doing. And don't compare with what Joe and Susie's doing. You just compare what you're doing. Don't worry about it. They, they got a big ministry. I need a big. Who said you need a big ministry? Listen, here's the story. You take care of the depth of it, and God will take care of the width of it. Then you don't have to worry, do you? If man gives you a ministry, he can take it back. If God gives you a ministry, no man can take it from you. You work up to a reputation, it's your job, baby, to keep that thing floating. If God gives you one, it's his job. And you can relax. Amen? Let's pray. I got one more. I'm sorry, one more. Thank you so much. I got two more. <laughs> who, who give me three minutes? Who give me three more minutes? Three, uh, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, twenty-five. Thank you. I have a half an hour. We'll go on. You know you're saved? Where are you in these steps? Saved, you haven't? Okay, go from empty glass to half glass. Do you see being filled with the Spirit is in the Word of God? If you've been here four Sundays or haven't, get the tapes. Get the Bible out. Sit down. Read it. See if, uh, if this is true or not. You decide between you and the Word of God. You see, fullness is for you. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You just have to be Billy Lumplump in Bozo Land. Serving God was dry, hot, and it's no fun. You can be a mechanic, a computer, a housewife. This is not for big wheels rolling. This is for little wheels listening. Somebody say amen. I, I don't want to ruin the meeting here. Don't ruin the meeting if you say amen. Are you hungry to be filled? How hungry? Blessed are they which you hunger and thirst. Lastly, I know he will fill me when I pray. Not wish, think, or hope. I know he will. That's faith. And if you're not there yet, that's fine. Find out where you are. One lady came to be filled, and I said, do you know when your prayer is going to fill you? She said, no. Are you hungry to be filled? I'm very hungry. Can you thank God that he's going to fill you? She was here. Can you thank God that you're going to be filled? Yes. I said, well, then keep on doing that. And you'll find faith arise, and you will be. Now, we're going to close the meeting now. And there'll be prayer teams here. And uh, there'll be people who can help you in prayer. If you've never asked the Lord to fill you before, the first time around, I'd like to have you be in my line. There's many people who you've got needs for your body, physical healing, encouragement. They're good people of prayer and faith here, and they have teams prepared. If your point of interest and need today is I want to know more about being filled or to be filled, would you do me the favor and the blessing of coming to me so we can chat together? We'll try to personalize it for you. There's been no push and shove in this thing. I have never tried to play games with you or to coerce or pull or play tricks. I believe a man wants to do what God wants him to do, we're here to help him. It's so important. Only God can make it be that important to you. And so God bless you as we close. And we'll pray then over to brother. And we'll meet you right here. And thank you last week for keeping your fellowshipping down to a good level. We could always hear everything that was going on. That was really good. Appreciate that again. Greet each other. Love each other. And those that come to the front, make it quiet enough so they can hear. We don't like to shout the gospel at people or shout the fullness at them. We like to talk with them. Heavenly Father... Thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for everyone in this room, just where they are. 
just as they are. And as they seek you, O Lord, whether it's to be converted or to be filled with the Spirit or to have questions answered or to raise questions, doubts and all, we bless them. Questions and all, we bless them. Those who have been thinking about this now, Lord, and know I know God's going to fill me this morning. May they come rejoicing. That's exactly what you have in mind and desire for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Pastor uh, Michael, do you want to close it down? We're going to sing a song. For those who have questions for Pastor right here in the middle, there will be prayer teams on the sides. Please come as we stand and close with a song. Please come forward at this point. If you need prayer, feel free to come. Yes, and anyone else needs to see Pastor come forward.